Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I'm a transformational leader and an instigator of joy. I use human design, coaching, and intuition to help light leaders remember who they are and why they're here so they can amplify their impact and send ripples of light across the planet, all with a whole lot of ease. I believe that the universe wants us to be sparkly AF and that joy is our natural state. I also believe in you. I know that sounds wicked mushy. And yes, I just said wicked because I'm originally from Massachusetts. So I know it sounds wicked mushy and it's true. I absolutely positively, totally, completely believe in you. And I believe that everything is possible. Not anything. Everything is absolutely possible. If you want to learn more about me, head over to KelseyAbbott.com and join my newsletter list. You can do that by getting your free human design chart. Or if you already have your human design chart, get your free human design love note from me. It's a love note to your energy type, whether you're a generator, manifesting generator, manifester, projector, or reflector. And that will get you on my newsletter list, which will get you everything you need to know as soon as I know it. Now, let's talk about today's episode. Patty Lennon is back. So I had this woman on the podcast a couple of years ago, and she told this beautiful story about how she had forgotten that she could fly. You got to go back and listen to the episode to know what I'm talking about. And the link to the episode is in the show notes, by the way, the links to join my newsletter list to get your human design love letter and to get your free human design chart. Those are in the show notes as well. So if you are listening to this on Apple podcasts or Spotify, head to KelseyAbbott.com, check out the show notes there and you'll get all the links to all, all the lovelies, including Patty's first episode. And Patty is not the only return guest, but Patty is the only brother, sister, sister, brother, the only sibling duo to be on the podcast. Her brother, Jim was on the podcast last December because guess who he is? He's Santa. He is the Boston Santa. And we had the most amazing conversation ever. So the link to that episode is also in the show notes. So Patty is back today and she is talking about receiving and she talks about, she tells the truth about money. Patty brings in her former career as a corporate banker and weaves that in with her spiritual coaching and wisdom and psychology background and her personal experience of grief and intuition and pure magic. So make space for magic in your life and enjoy this episode. And remember, everything is possible. You are a miracle. I love you. Go forth and be awesome. Patty, I'm so excited that you're back. Thank you so much for doing this. I am excited to be back. Last time you were here, I'll never forget the story you told about the words you said were that, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing basically that you forgot you could fly. I think of those words and that story at least once a month. Yeah. You're a powerful human and an amazing storyteller. And today we're going to talk about receiving. So let's go. Yeah, let's do this. Where should we start? How did you get started on receiving? Well, I think um, where I started was, you know, my own exploration of what was holding me back at, you know, any given time. I'm constantly trying to figure that out. And when I was about five years in business and I was doing well in business coaching, I started to see that some of the work I was doing was really weighing on me. It just felt hard. It felt boring. And when I dipped into what that was, it was that 
because the thing that I was saying I did for people was help them grow their marketing and sales, people wanted that as their result, naturally. Most entrepreneurs do. But what I understood deep down inside was the, there was fundamental blocks to them getting their sales to work for them and to market well. And those came back to just wounds. You know, we all walk around wounded and our job as we grow is to heal those wounds. And um, as I started to really pinpoint, like I started to look for patterns and said, you know, I always want to see, is there a system here? Is there a system here? And what I started to see was that all those all the marketing and sales stuff came back to being able to allow in and not just always be taking care of someone else. And that was the, from a forward facing place where the receiving method message started to emerge because I was sitting with a coach and actually we were playing with like, what's like one idea that you can put forward that sort of summarizes what you're teaching. And what mine that I came up with was you don't have a selling problem. You have a receiving problem. But like with most people, we teach what we need to learn. If you had pulled the back of the door on my business and then looked into my life, that was what I was working on you know, every area of my life. And the more I messaged to it, the more it became so obvious that it was my work to do as well. And so that's where it started, you know, as a, like a concept and, you know, where it got my focus. And so how did you see that it was your quote unquote problem? And how did you, I'm just going to use the word stumble because I'm going to guess it wasn't like super easy for you right away. How did you stumble your way through figuring out receiving? Yeah. So, I mean, the journey that happened around the same time, well, the, the, you know, you don't have a selling problem. You have a receiving problem. That was more like three years ago, but you know, at the time that I started to really explore what was going on for my clients, it was because I had witnessed my mom cross. She died from cancer. So it was a slow journey to crossing. And she was very much someone who did not like to be helped. And towards the end, she really started to allow in my help. So I was really just very aware of how um, generationally the women in my family did not know how to receive help the way they gave it. And I wasn't using that those specific terms. It was just like, I was speaking to my audience, like women, we have got to figure this out. You know, like we have to let other people help us because for me, it was that I kept trying to help her. And by the, once she finally like let go and surrendered to needing help, it made my journey so much more joyful and so much easier. Like it was like, there was this constant, like extra energy I had to put into helping her because she was pushing back against it. And that resistance was really where I started to pay attention to where do I have this resistance up? And so it was very like micro, you know, I would see it in this tiny place, like, oh, I'm not letting my husband do X, Y, and Z because I can do it better, you know, maybe with our kids, or I'm not letting my kids do something because I'm going to have to pick up the slack at the end. And, you know, all these conversations we have that explain why we can't allow in help, you know? Um, And it was a stumbling. It was like, you know, I mean, there's so many stories, but ultimately where the period basically got put at the end of the sentence was when my father passed away in 2019. Um, I put my business on hold so I could be grieving. And I just stopped trying to do anything simply because I had already been through the grief process with my mother. So I knew it's a long road and there's no shortcuts. So you might as well just drop into the space. Also knowing I could talk to him if I gave myself the space. And so I put all my energy into like opening wide and letting him kind of come through and magic happened that year. Even though I was deep in grief, my business improved, the level of support that I was getting and realizing how much people were enjoying being able to give it to me, um, the love I felt, 
all these things start to fall into place. And suddenly I realized, oh, I thought it was like, if you're, if you want support from your husband, then focus on that relationship and learn how to receive inside that little bowling alley of your relationship. And if you want more money or sales, then do all these things around receiving money and receiving clients and, and affirmations, all that stuff. And suddenly I realized, oh no, actually this whole thing is a field that exists around us. And that was really what made, what like was the quantum shift and made me suddenly understand I knew something, like I actually figured something out that I hadn't heard from someone else before. And I completely, because my spirit guides told me to do it, they told me, you've got to stop business coaching and open the receiving school. And they gave me the name. Like I didn't, even, I, it was all them. And I was like, all right. And now here we are. So, mm. okay. I want to back up to just that image of, it's not like the bowling alley area. It's not. So I picture this sun and, you know, you can draw a sun the way, you know, all little kids draw the sun, like a circle with a bunch of lines going out and imagine that each line is a separate aspect of your life. Or you can picture the sun as this ball that radiates light out from every part of it. And that light is, everything is connected. It's like, it's like the ocean is one ocean. It's not when you put shit in one section of the ocean, it doesn't go to the other section. It does. It's everywhere. Which I didn't mean to take it in a totally negative yeah. direction. No, all good. But, but is it negative? Right? <laughs> That's just our judgment. That is true. That is true. Good point. Okay. So um, also you said after your father passed, that you put all your attention into opening up, being wide open. What do you mean by that? Right. And so, so essentially, like, if you, if you physically think about the way we walk through the world, think about when you walk into someplace that's going to be controversial energy, what I would say, a supermarket, uh, a gas station, you know, places where you have to go maybe, but who you run into and the energy that's there, you never can be a hundred percent sure what you're going to do. And there's a little bit of kind of like closing in your own energy, right? Well, we do that all day long in all different ways. So when I say wide open, it's just the reverse of that situation. This place where you just any resistance, any sort of energetic or physical experience you would have of closing down or closing in or wrapping yourself around yourself. It's the opposite of that. And that's what I mean by wide open. And um, for me, physically, the sensation comes from my heart center. And the way I always experience my own energy is when I close in, it almost closes in like um. Uh, like a bud closes in on itself. You know, I don't like sort of shrink in, I sort of like envelop in. And so it's the same thing is that it's sort of this like unfurling of my energy and keeping this wide open because as much when you shut down, the other side of the veil can't talk to us. So it's, it's one of the other things that I find people really always want is, can I talk to my loved ones or can I hear what my angels or my spirit guides have to say, or the, the God or the universe. And the thing is you can, but it, it broadcasts on a channel that can only be accessed if you're not in that scrunched up energy. Mm, yes. Yeah. Does that make sense? Does yeah. And yeah. I picture that scrunched up energy for me, it's, you know, living in Maine for 10 years, it's that it's really cold out right. and, and you're just like, everything comes in to stay warm. And I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to move from Maine. I was like, I, I don't know how to be physically open when it's minus 20. Yeah. Because it's, I, and this goes to the receiving pieces because when I receive myself, I know my physical existence isn't happy. It's not at ease in cold. And that's just true for you, right? That's, right. you could go through all these gyrations to become at peace with the cold. And certainly if that limitation was present and it was firm, meaning suddenly we went through this like global freeze and it was cold everywhere. Yes. Then there'd be other tools, but 
the truth is cold is not comfortable for you and you are more wide open and easeful and warmth. And right. there it is. Right. Okay. So when you noticed that it wasn't like the sun with all these different lines, okay. that it was all one, how did that shift? How did you feel it in your body? Um, wow. How did I, I don't know if I remember, but I, how I felt in my body, but I remember psychologically, like men, the mental process was like, wait, do, can we curse on this? I can't yes, I please. be respectful Encouraged. of your audience. Yeah. yeah they like uh, it. Holy fuck. Like I actually, I discovered something, you know, like I've always seen myself as a spiritual adventurer. And, you know, we were talking earlier about my human design is like, I try things and, and do them all poorly over and over again until I figure out like, you know, and yeah, you judge it as poorly. We all think you're a superstar. Right. But I figure out, oh, this works. And then I give it to other people, but I don't feel like I'm inventing anything or discovering anything. This is the only time in my life where I have felt like, oh my God, I've discovered a truth that I've never, and I consume a lot of content. I read a fiction and a nonfiction and a spiritual book every week. And I listen to content and I learn and I go to events. I have never heard anyone talk about this. I literally think I figured something out that no one knows, or I figured out a way to explain it in a way that makes sense. And it's fun because now that I've taught it um, for a couple of years, there's always people who are brand new to me that are like, why did no one tell me this before? And I'm like, exactly, right? So that's how I felt about it. I don't remember physically how I felt in my body. It was like, holy shit. Like, I feel like when the, when the first person, and I'm not going to name that person because I'm pretty sure it was a woman discovered electricity. Um, and I don't, I don't remember what the real history of that was. And they were like, holy shit. Like we can light things up without the sun. <laughs> so anyway, that's how I experienced it. And it still seems to be lighting you up just it's, as much. This It does. Like you could drop me in the middle of a room of any amount of muggles or the greatest magicals ever. And I will convert someone to believe more is possible because of this one concept. I, I, I know that. Convert, convert all the listeners right now, please. I, yes. I'm, I really, I do. Because to me, this is the piece of the puzzle that actually can lead you to a place where you can feel safe on the planet, where you can actually sit in a place of understanding that the divine, the universe, God, whatever word you use it is on your side and, and it unlocks how to actually work with that force in a way that will show up faster and easier. Okay. It sounds delicious. Yeah. How do we do this? Well, and there were, yeah. How do we do this? I mean, that's, that's a different, that's a different answer, but I'll tell you specifically why it changed things is because when someone, I'm going to use money because I actually have lived with a significant amount of debt. And it's a story that people find really helpful is like, I had, I, I, I still don't know what the exact amount is because we fixed it at a time when we were adding the numbers up, but it was way over six figures of debt. And, um, and so part of this journey actually included releasing that debt. And, um, when you're in something like debt or you're in a health crisis, or you have a lot of weight on your body, the way that we used to understand it as this bowling alley of manifestation or this very focused is to try and allow in money when you are dealing with debt that is scaring the crap out of you is very, very challenging psychologically. For your brain to get on board with that is very hard. But now what this field of resistance tells you is don't worry about money. Don't, don't even do anything with money. Go over here to something else that you actually feel somewhat safe in, maybe love, Maybe you already have a good partner in your marriage like I do. Go ask more of them. Practice receiving love. Practice receiving support. Practice receiving flowers. Practice receiving other things that don't trigger you the way money is. 
because as you grow your receiving muscle, the field of resistance lowers, the debt will start to lower. Now, I'm not magic wand. I don't teach magic wands. I'm not saying if you do that, the debt disappears. What you need to do next to resolve the debt becomes obvious because your fear was keeping you from what was going to help. So that's, I know that didn't answer like how, but that, that answers the question of like, how does this help in a way that it didn't before? Right. So what I'm hearing is what I remind generators and manifesting generators in particular, but really all humans is the universe. The universe wants to bring us things. (laughs) And when there's something in our life, in our aura, that is a no that blocks the energy. So it's, we always have to take inventory and be like, Ooh, that's gotta go. Whether it is clutter or a relationship or a standing meeting or just, or weather or something that we're just not totally lit up about. So it makes sense too, that if you want to receive, whether it's from the universe or from another human or from clients or whatever, that you need to receive from in all the ways. Yes. Yes. And then the next level is, and then you, then when you build this up a little bit, this receiving muscle, or you release this resistance, the sort of the next level work is receive the debt. And I'm just using debt because I feel like it's a fairly, it's a, a pretty common pain point and I've been there. And so what happens when you're in debt Um, is you almost try and keep pushing it away. Like, this is not me, you know, like I had never had, I wasn't someone who debted from when I was young. Like this was situational. My husband was let go. My mom got sick and I started a business in a two-year period. It was just, our life changed radically. So I also didn't associate myself with this. Like, I'm like, this is not me. This is not me. And yet I had to come to the place where I had to receive it. No, this, this is me and I'm okay. Like I can still be lovable and over six figures in debt. And I need to allow that debt in. Whereas I feel like a lot of the spiritual teachings sort of tell you to visualize yourself without the debt and affirm that you're not in debt. And there's, that actually works for a small percentage of the population that are highly right-brained, but it does not work for most people. And at minimum, you have to allow the truth to at least come in. Now, once you receive it, it doesn't mean you have to keep it. And that's the other piece of the puzzle is that I think we've all been taught that somehow if we acknowledge the truth that's around us, that we are somehow affirming it. And it's not. It's like you walk into your closet. Someone's been like, you have that really hideous dress in your closet. And you're like, no, I don't. No, I don't. And then you go in your closet and you're like, oh, I do. No one's asking you to put it on. Just acknowledge that it's there. Mm -hmm. And donate it maybe. Yeah. But you can't donate it until you accept that it's there. Right. It's going to be somebody else's beautiful dress or Halloween costume. They're going to be really happy about it. Yeah. Okay. So we start out with receiving the receiving, receiving and allowing. Are they the same thing? Um, they're, they're related. They're definitely cousins, possibly siblings. So receiving is, um, I'm going to use something more toxic, uh, is let's say there's a, you know, an individual who's violent, right. To receive that person in your life, it means to just, you're acknowledging they are here and they are present and you're receiving everything that exists about them as true. And then you're making a choice from there. And that choice most likely will be an action that removes you from who they are. So to me, allowing just feels like you stay in the presence of something and receiving it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it just means you acknowledge what it is. Um, and also I think, and, and, it, and I, this could be somewhat semantics this is the first time I've even considered this question, 
but allowing to me also is like live and let live or has a feeling of live and let live and receiving doesn't receiving has a bit more of an edge because then you want to receive your anger. You want to receive the truth that you do not find this person's presence acceptable. Um, and like, so I guess to a certain extent, if you look at allow is just like, yes, receive your emotions, receive, whereas I feel like sometimes allow is thrown around where you're like, you must allow for this to be the case, you know, and receiving more says, no, like let it in and then do something about it. Yeah. You still have free will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You still have power. Mm -hmm. So what happened for you as you received your debt? So, and this happened by the way, before my dad's death, you know, this had been a process that had been happening. So, um, with the debt, the first was just acknowledging it existed. Then it was actually adding up the number. So these were different steps I took, um, was like real, because I hadn't been willing to do that. I, I had been playing credit card shuffle. So I was like moving balances all the time from one 0% card to another. So I never fully knew how much debt we had. And even actually, as I started to add it up, it, it, my heart started to like palpitate. I was like, I, I don't tend toward panic attacks, but if I was going to have one, it was probably that day. I stopped the process, realized I couldn't do it without support and called a friend in who is very pragmatic about money. And I asked her to sit on the phone with me while I did it. I couldn't involve my husband because he was, he was even, he was, he is from a money standpoint, bury his head in the sand. Um, his habits are, I don't spend money. I don't like he would live off of this, like he'd still be wearing the t-shirts that he owned when we met, if it was up to him. Like his, his whole strategy is I won't spend any money and I don't care if I live in deprivation. So he's not a good partner when it comes to that. So I brought in a friend that could help me. Then I got, you know, advice. And then I rejected the advice because the first level advice, because it was a very well-known program or concept out there, but it was very deprivation based. And I just didn't feel the truth of it in my body. Now, it, what, and let me just say, we're not spenders. So like, I don't buy expensive things. Like, it's not interesting to shop for me. So it's not like we had habits that really had to be curtailed, but like, um, the suggestion was I sell, we sell one of our cars to get rid of the insurance. Like it was such like a low vibration concept. And I knew I was capable of making more money and being, figuring out how to live with one car, just, it just didn't make sense. Right. So I went through the process of looking and studying strategies, rejecting many of them because they weren't true for me. And then, um, it just happened. We were at a kid's at the kids, uh, one of their games with a, with some family members. And, um, one of the family members, I, I think I had just put a big event on or something had happened where she was like, okay, well, can you now slow down a little bit? And I looked at her and I was like, and because I had gone through this journey, I was like, actually, I can't, we have so much debt and I can't Matt's still out of work. And they gave us a loan. It didn't cover all of it, but it, it took a big, us a big chunk out of the credit card wheel, which was really the reason why we couldn't get out from underneath the debt. Because I had started making more and more money, but the interest rates on our cards, because we had so much debt, were so big. Mm -hmm. I would never have had the courage to tell her the truth before. I would never have even knowing she had the money to lend us. Honestly, I don't, I'm not someone who watches other people and has opinions about how much money I never make assumptions about people's wealth or what they should be doing it. So it's not even like a consciousness I had. And suddenly it just opened up other possibilities. And I, I started making more courageous investments in my business that allowed me to make more money that I hadn't had the guts to do. I mean, there were so many pieces of the story because people often ask me like, what'd you do to get out of that much debt? But I don't want people to know the steps I specifically took because you'll find a way to say that's not, well, I don't have a relative that can lend me that money or I don't have this. And I want you to understand 
that's not, I understand my privilege. I do. And I know we have generational wealth in my family. And I know as a white woman who got raised with security, I'm not claiming to not have privilege. I just want you to know the same force that gave, that guided me out of the debt will guide you out of the debt. But we have to receive each little piece. And it was ugly. There were nights where I was crying and sobbing on the couch. And one of the big turning points actually that got me even to this truth was I was walking in, I guess at this point, my mom had died because I was walking in the grave and I, I was screaming at my angel saying, what, what kind of world is this? I have done everything you asked me. I like, I have given up every ounce of waking time to take care of my family, my husband, my, my mother, my kids, and this, my clients. And here I am with this debt. What did I do that was so bad? And um, I can't believe, I've told this story many times. It so makes me tear up. Um, they came in, they said, that is not a symptom of having done something wrong. It's a symptom of giving more than you have to give. And it was that conversation actually that they sucked enough shame out of my situation that I was able to like, probably within a couple of weeks, maybe a week, I don't know. I sat down and I looked at the debt for the first time because the shame was gone. So it sounds like in telling the truth that enabled you to receive love and love in this case happened to also involve a whole lot of money. Yeah. I'm also curious, Patty, you started out your like working career as a banker, right? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that was kind of to prepare you for this whole experience? I feel like, you know, I, in the, in the early days of my entrepreneurship, I would always ask like, God, why? Cause I felt I be, did this stuff that I'm doing now, or even the business coaching, because I felt like God was leading me there, or the divine, you know, my soul was being led there. And I'm like, why would you have wasted me or like had me, you know, in banking for 15 years? And I think there's um a, three reasons. One, I think because I was a corporate banker that was very successful, you know, like not um, what I mean is if you took someone who knew me in the banking world they saw me as someone that was highly promotable. I was targeted to be a C-suite, you know, executive at an early age. And what that does is for doubters, it gives them an anchor to what I'm saying, because it places me in a paradigm they understand that has social proof. So I think there was that. I think being inside the bank also helped me understand how easily we erased money, how easily we created it and erased it. And so I had a very fundamental understanding that money isn't real front as a banker. And then third, it was to give me this, this contrast of, of who I am, that I had been this someone that had, had a command on money and money systems and yet still ended up in this other place and both to put me into crisis and also to give other people an understanding of you can come to the table with all the money and all the knowledge. Like, cause a lot of times when people get into debt, they feel like it's cause they didn't know something and they weren't given the proper tools. And I think that gives me a lot of it, it, authentic compassion that when I give compassion to another, who's in this place, they understand that I was there, you know, and not with a lack of understanding that I fell in a huge hole that I didn't have to. And yet I did. And I got out. And you just said one of the things that you, you learned and you knew to be true was that money isn't real. Can you translate that for everyone? That's like, Whoa, wait. Yeah. Because yeah, you hear that in the spiritual world, right? We hear that in like the whole, like, oh, you know, money is just energy, but it's literally a belief system. And so in banking and banking systems, which ultimately drive the value of money, um, when we have money, I'm saying we as bank, you know, when we have money on the books, it's because we believe it's there. We actually don't have it physically anywhere. So what's happening is you're depositing money into a bank, right? Which is, you know, the central bank is what drives all finance, you know, all money in the world. So 
um, you deposit your money in the bank and then it uses it and lends it out. So it's just moving. It's never fixed. And if you owe us money and we believe that you're going to pay us, then we consider that money in existence. But the minute we stop believing you can pay us, we delete that money from our balance sheet and we show it as a loss. And then it's gone. And I regularly deleted money and created money based on whether I believe there was not me personally. I had, you know, depending on how senior I was at the bank at any particular time. Um, hold on. I got to get a tissue because I'm all weepy still. <laughs> but with the right amount of signatures, I could delete, you know, a million dollars. And in fact, a coworker of mine, I love telling this story. He got woken up in the middle of the night one night because he actually had responsibility for, he was in um, accounting and he had a responsibility for what's called a zero balance account. So all banks funnel money through accounts, but at the end of each day, they have to be zero, meaning all the money that came in has to then go somewhere, has to go into an investment account, it has to have been lent, it has to something. And it's, a, it's a, like a clearinghouse. And he made a mistake and he deleted a billion dollars from the bank. And he got woken up in the middle of the night with, from the CEO of Citigroup. And cause he had deleted it. Now the everyone still believed that billion dollars existed and therefore it was restored, but that was all it took to erase it from the bank. This is so like, I can just kind of picture minds being blown right now as they're hearing money exists when you believe in it. And when you believe that it's gone, it zeros. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty simple. I mean, every crisis in our financial system has happened because the people, if you think of like the court jester, right? And so the court jester's job back in like the days where there were like court jesters and kings and queen, the court jester's job was twofold. It was one to entertain the king, but also to keep the king from getting too far gone in his own fabulousness of what he thought of himself. Right. And always we, you know, we need the court jester to exist in some way, shape or form. And when the court jester, I'm just actually thinking this up right now. So hopefully this metaphor works. (laughs) This is just what popped into my head. Keep going. But the banking system and any major system typically has a version of a court jester, but Every once in a while, um, some creepy dude or dudette or these, you know, um, will kill the court jester or convince the king the court jester should not should be banished. And as soon as that happens, there's an escalation that happens of whatever is being sold or talked about or whatever. But eventually by divine design or something else, the court jester will return. And as soon as he, she, or they returns and reveals and tells the king and queen what really is going on, you know, there's a uh, uh, deflation of excitement, of, you know, value of whatever you want to call it. And so when you look at the the 2008 crisis that happened, that was a, a version of, not enough court jesters and too many fools, right? And so what had happened was they just kept convincing the king and the queen that there was value where there wasn't value, essentially in, in um, mortgages that were not the quality that they claimed to be. And at the same time had convinced people that were getting the mortgages that they could afford more than they could afford. And so it was happening on both sides. And so there was belief and there was belief and there was belief, but then all of a sudden the house of cards started to fall because the seven years that you had that wonderful mortgage all of a sudden came due. And you actually, the truth was that you could not afford that house. And then you had to give up the house and the more houses that get, got given up, all of a sudden, the truth about what the quality of that lending structure was, was revealed to the king and queen. And they started pulling back and they always are going to pull back and take care of themselves first. And then lots of people end up starving, but always 
it was never because there was money and then it went away. It was because there was belief and then it disappeared. I'm just sitting with that for a second. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, that's the first time I've ever talked that out. So hopefully, if I, I thought it was brilliant. I hope if you're sitting at home, you're like, what in the literal hell is she talking no, about? No, I thought it was brilliant. And I think that's content for your future podcast or whatever you want to do with it. Maybe there's a course that you're creating with that. Do what you want with it. It was brilliant. You will be able to hear it on the recording. Okay. So I want to fast forward timeline to then your dad passes. Mm-hmm. you're wide open. You're able to communicate with your dad. You get this message about the receiving school. How does that all go down? What And what role is your dad playing? What messages is he telling you along the way? Yeah. So when my mom crossed, she had had such a slow passing that she had time to process her death and could communicate with me instantly. My dad actually wasn't, he died suddenly of a heart attack in his sleep. And so my mom would come in with him and she would just tell me he's okay, but he can't talk to you yet, you know? And then, um, but eventually after a month, I'd say six weeks, he started to be able to communicate. And the consistent message was, um, he was, we were raised traditional Catholic, Irish Catholic, and he was a devout Catholic. And he had believed when he got to the other side that there would be God or someone, one of God's minions waiting to go through his list of sins, which were limited because he followed all the rules, but he figured he had done some things wrong. What actually greeted him was he was an executive recruiter. So he was a job he found jobs for people. That was his career. What was there were all these people that he had either found a job for or their children, their loved ones, the ripples of who he had been. And what he came to understand is the truth, which is that, you know, kindness is all there is. And that was the only message he had for me. He said, Patty, he wasn't a money driven person. So it's not that he chased dollars all the time, but he said, Patty, kindness is the only thing that you cash in when you get here. And he was really like amazed at how big his life had been. And he hadn't really seen that when he was alive. So the messages he kept giving me was just to focus on kindness um, and to take care of myself, you know? And really, um, he wasn't so much playing a role in the receiving school or the receiving method or the messages of that. He was more just reaffirming and reaffirming and reaffirming what had already started to practice for a couple of years, but just you and I, Kelsey, play in this digital marketing space. And there's so many messages of what, you know, you should be doing or you should be doing. And always I kept coming back to, I need people to walk away better from anything I do. If I lose sales, but they're better for it, like truly better for it. Not just, well, I'm not going to make a strong offer because I don't want them to feel bad, but I I'm willing to do that. You know, I'm willing to play the long game with love in my business. And so he more was giving me the courage to follow the inclinations I was giving to leave the business coaching behind and really take up this teaching that was far less provable you know, like I I was good at helping people do their marketing and, and sales and I could prove it, you know, and this stuff isn't provable in the same way. And it took a huge leap of faith. And so that's the role he played with that. Mm. It's interesting how much this conversation is circling and circling and circling around faith. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, cause it's, um, when I was little, um, the thing I wanted to be was a missionary because 
I was as a Catholic, not being exposed to other worldviews or religions, it was really the only understanding I had of God of the divine. And the reason I wanted to be a missionary was just the idea that someone was poor in another country. I also did not have visibility to the poverty in our own, I'm in the States, in our country, but the fact that there was, you know, uh, someone suffering and they didn't know God loved them broke my heart. I mean, as a child, it broke my heart and that's all I wanted to do was to let them know. And I really feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. I really feel that's the heart of my work is I just really want to give people actual tools that show you how the divine helps you so that you can have that faith. Patty, that's so beautiful. So the receiving school is all about Am I right in that it's all about people being able to receive the, the, the fact that they are so loved and so supported? Yeah. And it starts with the fundamentals, which is your brain's never going to get on board with that message. Like unless it's the show me the money, right? Like Jerry Maguire, show me the money. So the first third of the course is really how do you let in help? How do you let in the material world? Like how do you actually allow in the money, the love and the support from other humans? The second part is how do you receive yourself and all the parts of yourself you've rejected over the years? And then the final third is how do you actually receive communication from the divine, from spirit guides, from your angels, from your loved ones, so that you're actually getting the, the, the tangible communication that can hold you in the spaces where the money or the love or the sport isn't showing up, but you can trust that it's coming. It's just a timing issue. It's just a timing issue as I, <laughs> I'm so in the timing issue place <laughs> in my own life right now that it's just funny. Um, I love that. I love that all of those are together. The receiving in the material world, receiving yourself, which feels like accepting and acknowledging and telling the truth and then receiving wisdom from your guides, your ancestors, the universe, everyone else. Mm. Yeah. And at the heart of the work, when people go through the receiving school, the really, the, the real transformational work, the real pivot for almost everyone is the, the receiving yourself. And that's, that's where I think I'm different than most of the teachers out there is that my work is kind of focused on what is known as the rejected self theory, which has existed since the early 1900s. And it's been taught like a lot of theorists, a lot of psychological theorists that you would know it's their work is really rooted in this, this rejected self theory. And it's essentially that as we become verbal um, and as our brains form the ability to hold concepts there's things we do that the outer world, our parents, society in general show us is not lovable. And as we absorb that message, we then go and put those pieces off to the side and try to become not that. And the resistance to ourselves is actually the biggest part of the resistance energy. So when you look at that resistance field, when you start to understand, if you could just start to accept the pieces of yourself back, and that's where the telling the truth comes, it's like, it's the 80, 20 rule. It's like 80% of the resistance. You don't even have to worry about that manifesting money or manifesting a love partner. You just, and of course, then we're coming back to like, oh, so this is all self-love and in a way it is, but the way I teach it is to show you exactly what parts of yourself you rejected so that you can have tangible tactical work to work with the inner advisor that you've locked away in a dungeon. Mm. When you first let your inner advisor out, what did it tell you? Well, there's lots of different rejected selves. So in the, in, when we go through it, the process, like when I teach it to other people is I say, you only want to work with one part at a time, but there's many parts of us that we reject. But the the first part that I brought back in was the lazy self. And the thing about the lazy self is lazy is the shadow to something else. And the shadow and what the light side of lazy is knows how to rest, knows how to be. And that was when my dad died. That was really the, um, the first part was just to be what I felt looked like lazy, but I just accept it was my own inner wisdom to, to be 
Mm. And I feel like being is part of receiving. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and to give you like concepts, it, what I found working with so many people now at this point is there's three rejected selves that most people have. The first is the lazy one. The second one is the selfish one. And then the third one is some version of the diva or the bitch or the asshole. So those are three that almost everyone has. So the light side of the diva bitch slash bitch slash asshole would be what? Sets boundaries without guilt. Mm. And Ask for what she wants, he wants, they want. Yes. And then selfish, the light side of the selfish. Um, can allow someone else to exist without needing to take care of them. You know, can actually be in the presence of someone else's difficulty without it being painful for them. Mm. That feels like can be with somebody else's pain without while knowing that it's not their pain, while knowing that it's not about them. Right. And so you can go about your business. You can be happy and you can, you know, your, your friend can be grieving and you could be going out and it's okay. Yes. You're not selfish for doing it. Yes. Or, or, you know, like I see this in our community a lot is, you know, people can be starving and, and it's okay that you're going out for a good dinner, you know, and that doesn't mean that's true for everyone, but you know, a lot of times when there's that rejected selfish thing is they can't do anything good for themselves. They find themselves looking at other people's lack and other people's limitations and other people's struggle and using it to deplete the joy that they can experience in the moment. Yeah. I've seen that. Mm-hmm. You're such a great storyteller and, um, I feel your heart energy just radiating out. It's really beautiful. And Mm. it's just, it feels really good to be in your energy. Thank you. Thank you. I will say that the thing that I think this work when the rejected self work has helped me with is I never, I can show up here and, you know, I, I, there's small amount of judgment that my nose is still running right now of myself, but, but no one the, sees you and it's okay. not. Okay, good. <laughs> and, um, but like, I don't ever have to look for who or what version of Patty is the one that you're going to want to be here. I just trust that whichever version shows up is going to be in service of love because that is the one request I make each morning is use me, you know, let love use me, God use me. So that's a big piece of it is to feel at home in your own skin. Cause I, I think some people, I, Kelsey, I feel like maybe you're more like that, that you do, you actually have a better handle on that, but I have not lived most of my life like that. I didn't used to, well, I mean, I, I, worthiness was my big wound. And right now it feels like eons ago that I was in that place of thinking I wasn't worthy of winning or being sparkly or being seen or being special or any of that. Mm -hmm. Look at you now, sparkle girl. I know. This is why I'm so passionate about everybody being sparkly and living from love and sharing their love and light. What if you could just scream from the rooftops, unlimited words, unlimited volume. What do you want? What do you want everyone on this planet to know? Oh, I mean, I want you to know that the divine loves you. That's, that's, hundred percent what I want you to know. And that every desire in your heart, you cannot, you cannot hold a desire in your heart that doesn't, that does not have the ability to be born. So if you have ever doubted, you know, something that you want, it's don't doubt it because the divine has designed it so that you cannot hold that desire honestly in your heart. Now I'm not talking about the shit in your head, like where you want a fancier house because the neighbor has one, but you know, the stuff that comes from your heart has the ability to be born. And at the heart of it is to receive, you know, receive in whatever way, any, any form of receiving takes you that much closer 
to whatever it is that you desire. I love it. Before we wrap up, will you please tell us more about the receiving school? And I believe you have a book coming out. I do. (laughs) I do. You know, it's my, my um, book publisher, who's also, it's a combination of publishing and coaching. His theory is that what you write on when you truly write from the heart, you're going to have to live during the process of the book. And I can tell you birthing this book has been a challenge of receiving every step of the way. So the book is Make Space for Magic, and it will be on pre-sale September 26th. Um, and I'm super excited about it. So if listening to this, you're like, we want to know more about the debt thing. You want to know more about how the hell did a banker figure out her way here? We talk about that in the book and then give a process for opening to receiving. Um, so that's coming out. And then the receiving school starts September, um, Actually, the cart, you know, the, the ability to join the cart open is September 20th. So that's coming up soon. And you can find out if you find, if you find that interesting, I would love for you to put yourself on the wait list or depending on when this comes out, it might even be open. Just go to the receiving school.com. That would be awesome. And, um, it's an eight week journey that we take live and virtually live and in person. <laughs> Eight weeks total wrap up by the end of the year. Right. Yes. Um, I just feel like that might feel really good to people because then you start 2022 with being a boss at receiving. Yes. And I will tell you, I don't say what the final module is, like what the work we is that what the work we is, what the work we do. I don't lay it out because, um, you just need the other modules, but I will tell you, it does create a, a really strong, journey for 2020, like for a new year, it puts it like right there. Awesome. All right. And you've got the space for magic podcast. Is there anything else we need to know about how to get more Patty? (sighs) Um, I mean, there's so, no, I think let's just leave it there. Come over to the podcast, play with me over there. Um, put your name on the wait list if it sounds interesting to you. And, um, you know, I'll be blabbing about the book once it's on pre-sale in my podcast. (laughs) Oh, wait, Oracle cards. I have those. Yeah. They're all right. So out. we get that all at Um, No, you won't get any of those things. But um, what I would say is everything's sold out right now, which was so like that. I mean, that's a testament to receiving is like, just follow that. Everything I've created right now is at the moment we're recording this sold out. But yes, if you just put your name on the wait list for receiving school, when everything opens, we'll tell you. Amazing. I love you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your heart and your humor with us. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. Patty is magical, right? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Remember, please go support Patty in every way possible. Get on that wait list for receiving school. It sounds amazing. Get ready to buy her book. Do all the things. Listen to her podcast. And if you really enjoyed this episode, please share it with everybody. Share it on social media. Share it with your best friend. Share it with your mom. Share it with your dad. Share it with whoever you think would really resonate with this message. And if it lights you up to do so, please leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Now, a couple more things. If you aren't on my newsletter list yet, please come and join us. You can do that by going to KelseyAbbott.com and get getting your free human design chart, which will give you a personal response from me. It is not an automatic system. I don't want it to be an automatic system. I'm a four, six, and I really love that opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. So you can get your free human design chart. And if you already have your human design chart, then sign up for your human design love note, where you will get a love note for your human design energy type. Even if you don't want either of those things, just click sign up on one of them, drop your email in there. So you come on the newsletter list, and then you will get emails 
from me and I can't promise you what they will be about. A lot of them will be about human design. A lot of them will be about what I'm learning. They will be about new projects I'm creating. There's a little bit of everything. I can't predict the future, which is really funny because that is actually literally my son personality in human design, but it is intuition about the future for other people. I don't know shit about my own future. So anyway, just join the newsletter list. Okay, please. I would love to have you there. Remember you are amazing. You are a miracle. Everything is possible. I adore you. Go forth and be awesome.